Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. This morning, I want to welcome you uh, again to our candlelight Christmas service. And uh, it's one of my favorite services of the year. And uh, we're excited. If by chance you snuck in, I think we got almost everybody, but if you snuck in and did not get a candle, this is your chance. So raise your hand nice and high if you don't have a candle, and we'll get one to you right now. I got a couple up here down front, down front, a few over here. We got some. They're coming. Leave your hand up until you get one, okay? They'll find you, I promise. And it just looks like you're praising the Lord until then, all right? You just wave it a little. If you got a hanky or something, that would be even better. Hey, Good morning. Good morning, Merry Christmas. Um, If we don't know each other, I hope maybe I get to meet you after service. My name is TJ, I'm the pastor here, and uh, we're delighted to have you here. I just want you to know, and I mean this sincerely, um, we've prayed for you. We've we've prayed for you and your family and this service and this moment, and uh, we have prayed. But, you know, how many know sometimes it takes more than prayer? You've got to prepare, too. So how many are glad the thermostats are working, right? The coffee is made. There are diapers in the nursery. There are people in the nursery, all right? Praise God. There, everything has been prepared, and it's all really been for you. We knew God was going to show up, but we didn't know who would show up, and we prayed that whoever did show up, they might experience him. I know a lot of people have gone to church and not had a good experience. They've gone to church and not experienced God. They've gone to church, and it left a bad taste in their mouths, Right? And so they've got the wrong idea about who God is and what God's like and what it looks like to be a part of a group of people trying to follow him. Um, and I hope that maybe today you see that that's different. I know that's the perception that, that you know, how many of y'all have ever worked in a restaurant? Okay. What's the reputation of a church crowd? Right. We know. I know. We know. Right. We know. I try to tip good, but I can't tip good enough to undo all that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm still a preacher. I don't make that much money. Uh, but uh, anyway, we, we just hope that today, man, you feel welcome. And I hope that if, if whatever's happened in your life to this point, if you have been led to believe that God is just mad at you, disappointed in you, ashamed of you, or that he's boring and he just wants to take all the joy and fun out of your life, and that he's not uh, for you, that he's for the perfect and the put together, and he's not for the dysfunctional, strange, broken people, you know, like my family and in-laws. Um, just kidding. Uh, it didn't land very well, did it? Sorry. Sorry, Mom. Uh, but if, if you think for a second that God is not for you because of what you've done or how messed up you are, man, I hope you learned today that's not true. I hope that maybe it already happened in the worship service or maybe it'll happen later when we light the candles, but I hope there's just one second where you just sense that God is real and near and accessible to you, and I hope you sense his grace and his love and his mercy, not condemnation. You see, God knows right where you're at. Um, He knows right where you're at in your stress, right where you're at in your sickness, right where you're at in your suffering or even in your secrets, and he loves you, and the evidence of that is you're here. You're still here. There's breath in your lungs, and this morning is a gift and an opportunity to you to know him better. We say it this way here at Bluff First, our mission Our reason for being, we do lots of stuff, but what is driving all of that? Our mission is to reach people with the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. Man, it's not a condemnation-filled message. It's not a religion, a religious-filled message. It is a hope 
hope-filled message. If you're here this morning and you don't have hope and you're not looking forward to the future and you're worried and you're concerned and you're consumed, there is hope in the person and work of Jesus. And I hope that you, I'm hoping a lot, I hope that you hope, I hope, I hope that you hope, and I hope that hope invades your life. I hope that, I pray that hope invades your life and changes you from the inside out like it has for me. I remember being uh, a younger, uh, thinner man, and I remember being hopeless and just in despair and purposeless and not having, and you wouldn't have been able to tell from the outside, but on the inside, I was lost as all get out, and, you know, Jesus found me and has changed my whole life. Can't believe I get to do this, and, uh, and so I hope he does the same for you. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, I forgot to start my little timer, so the sermon's just now starting. None of that time counted. Um, and uh, if you brought a Bible or you have a smartphone, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to help you out. It's the first chapter in the first book of your Bible, so don't, you don't have to do the awkward, like, where are they turning thing. It's that right there at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, and, um, you know, as we was getting ready for today and getting ready for our candlelight moments that we have every year together in this service, um, you know, it's just hard to not look at the scriptures and think about light and think about candles, and think about darkness, and think about all of those things. And you don't have to read very much of the Bible um, to find that subject matter. Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses, look at them with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I love that even while things are still dark and bleak, God's there, he's there, and yet he sees this darkness and he decides to do something about it in verse three. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it's awesome, God can just speak and change everything. Let there be light. If you're a note taker this morning, those words, the first recorded words of God in the scriptures, those are the sermon title, let there be light. I thought about connecting with all the TikTokers and saying my title is, even if it cannot always be day. I messed, I messed that up. Even if you're not ready for the day, it cannot always be. I'm so cool. I'm so hip. All right. Butchered my, it wasn't in my notes, okay? I'm sorry. I should stay off TikTok. Okay, here we go. How many would admit, if you look around at our world today, that things are pretty dark, right? I don't have to spend 15 minutes establishing that, right? We know things are dark in our world. Um, and, and for some of us, the holidays are a bright spot in the middle of that darkness. It distracts us from it. It's awesome. But for a lot of people, the holidays just magnify um, the darkness that they're already experiencing. And so you're even more discouraged. You're even more depressed. You're even more stressed out. I was listening to um, a podcast this week about mental health. And I was blown away by this. They said that um, there are as many people who commit suicide between Thanksgiving and Christmas as there are in the other 11 months. And so we, we don't have to look very hard to see there's a certain darkness associated even with this most wonderful time of the year, right? Um, and then other statistics that 25% of people are in a mental health crisis of some sort. That's one in four. Look around you. That's one in four people dealing with uh, depression, anxiety, something. One in nine are on antidepressants of some sort, which, praise God, if, if those help and you need those, that's awesome. But one in nine are on antidepressants, and that number is climbing, has been climbing 300% a year. In 2020, 
uh, the mental health hotline number reported that calls went up 900%. The CDC says one in four people since the pandemic, one in four people under the age of 30 have contemplated suicide, and one in 10 of the rest of people over 30. Times are dark. Times are dark, and a lot of people are feeling the crushing weight of that darkness. But, you know, not everybody's experiencing it the same way. I want you to know this morning, all of us have darkness. All of us have darkness. All of us have discouragement. All of us have dark corners and crevices of our lives, whether it's things we've done or things that have happened to us. Not all of us deal with that darkness the same way, and I hope that you leave here um, this morning with a better way of handling it. Some people feel that, and it's obvious in their mental health, their depression, their anxiety, their dark thoughts, whatever. Other people are dealing with darkness, and they numb it with pleasure, and they numb it with material stuff and, and, and things and, and climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. And so my prayer this morning, knowing every single one of us has darkness, my prayer again is that there would just be one moment in this service where you sense even just the smallest flicker of light, right, in the midst of that darkness. You know, my daughter um, is four years old. She has a princess nightlight in her room. I don't know if you're supposed to do this or not. We leave it plugged in all the time. So I, I hope that's safe. And uh, it's plugged in. You can't see it during the day. And then at nighttime, it's a princess. Well, the bad thing is this, this nightlight has options. You can turn the little wheel, and it changes from Cinderella to Belle to Ariel to whatever. And she will let you know what night it is. She will let you know. If you mess around and put it on, you know, Rapunzel, and it's supposed to be Cinderella, she will let you have it. And so, you know, it's amazing, this tiny little light. My daughter does not like the dark. She's four. Honestly, none of us like the dark, okay? She doesn't like the dark. And this one little tiny nightlight can bring so much comfort to her and so much it just puts her at ease. And the crazy thing is, the darker it gets in that room, the brighter that little light gets. So this morning, I want you to know, man, if you would let God shine into your life, if you would let his light into even the darkest corners of your life, the darker things are, the bigger a difference he's going to make. The darker things are, the more that light is going to shine. If you think that your dark past or your dark secrets or your dark thoughts disqualify you um, from being a candidate for God to move in your life. You could not have it any more wrong. You are exactly where you need to be. In fact, I would say that you're a target. You're a target audience of the gospel. God does his best work in the darkest of places. So we looked at Genesis 1 at the beginning. Look with me at John 1 at the beginning. In the middle of your Bible there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the gospels. John's gospel, John 1 Again, first thing God said was, let there be light, right? That's right there at the creation story. Listen to John's account of the beginning. He starts it the same way. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word. Well, that's interesting. Why is it capitalized? What's that about? And the word was with God, and the word was God. He, okay, now we're learning the word is a he. He was with God in the beginning. So, if we, if we look backwards, in the beginning was a he, and he was with God, and he was God. Well, of course, if we keep reading, we're going to learn that this word became flesh. It's Jesus is who we're talking about. And so in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. In him was life, and that life 
was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So again, we see Jesus, who is God, Jesus, who was with God, Father, Spirit, and then Jesus, the Son. Nothing was made without him. He was involved in creation, but at some point, he decides to leave the comforts of heaven and step down to his creation and dwell among men, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the message of Christmas, that Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him, and it cannot overcome him. Why are we here this morning. Some of you are here because your wife dragged you here, or it makes grandma really happy that you're here, right? Or there's a cute girl here you're kind of interested in, or whatever. I'm, it's, I'm putting it all on the fellows this morning. I'm sorry. Um, but why are we here? In fact, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we come to church? And some of you are probably expecting, oh, I'm at church. This is what we're going to tell me. They're going to tell me to stop taking Christ out of Christmas and stop making it all about presents. And to, I don't, like, buy all the presents you want. I don't care about that. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to bring light to our darkness. And that's an oversimplification of the Bible, but it's really kind of the message of the whole Bible. Jesus came to bring light to our darkness. And I'm not just saying that because it's cute and it fits like our candlelight service. Take it straight from him. And uh, I, I thought about saying, take it straight from the horse's mouth, but it feels a little weird calling Jesus a horse. So John 12, John 12, verse 46, Jesus' words, he says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You don't have to stay in darkness, and the way out is belief in Jesus. Jesus has come to bring light to our darkness. Again, we all have darkness. We all have darkness. We all have despair. We all have stress and worry. We all have sin and secrets. We all have mistakes and selfishness and shame and guilt. We all have this. But Jesus came so that we didn't have to carry the weight of it anymore. And we didn't have to hide in the dark anymore. Maybe for you this morning, I don't know you, I don't know your story, I don't know your life, but maybe there's darkness right now hovering over your marriage, or maybe there's darkness in a situation with one of your children, maybe there's darkness over your job or your finances, maybe there's darkness in a relationship with a family member or in-law or a grown child or a friend, an ex-friend, there's darkness going on. Maybe, it's, maybe what's dark right now is your health. Whatever it may be, we all have darkness. I hate to admit it as the guy with the microphone, right? But I have darkness. I have wrong thoughts. I have wrong actions, lack of right action, selfishness, temptation, all of that stuff. And any kind of darkness is difficult enough. But spiritual darkness, I think, is the most difficult because here's the thing. In spiritual darkness, you have the same darkness everybody else has, and then also you don't have anywhere to take it. You don't have a way to deal with it, not a healthy way anyway. You don't, you don't have someone to take it to, and so you're carrying it yourself. Unless there's nothing more miserable than carrying your shame and guilt and fears yourself. That's suffocating. If you're in spiritual darkness, man, you got to find a light to run to so you can lighten your load. Um, I'm a movie theater guy. Are there any movie theater people in the house? Like, I would go to the movies every night of the week if my wife let me, okay? I'd put a theater in my house if I could. Like, I love going to the movies. 
And it's a thing, like, it's a whole deal. Even if we just had dinner, you've got to get the popcorn, right, the big one. And then you've got to get an icy because, you know, health reasons. And, um, and, you know, I like to stack it up. You know, you go red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, or you go Coke red, Coke red, Coke red. Never Coke blue. That's weird. Um, but I, I, like, I like the whole thing, right? And I've always liked going to the movies. Used to sit in the front row when I was a kid. That's terrible. Sit in the back row. Better for your neck, right? But I love going to the movies. And um, in high school, I had a friend, well, my best friend in high school, um, we liked going to movies together. And here's the thing. I don't know why we did this. But neither one of us liked scary stuff, okay? We did not like scary stuff, but we would go to scary movies, and we'd go to haunted houses, and we'd do that stuff for the thrill of it. I don't know. Actually, probably because we're from Elsinore, and there's nothing else to do. So we'd go, we would, um, it was before smartphones. So we, we would go to movies and scary movies, and I went to this one scary movie. I'm not recommending it, okay? I'm not recommending it. It's the dumbest movie. We went to this movie um, called Darkness Falls. And it came to my mind as I was preparing, talking about light and darkness, and um, the concept basically in this movie, as long as you had light, even if it was just like a little flicker of a flame, as long as you had light, you were totally safe, but the moment you were in utter darkness, there was this woman that would swoop you up, okay, and carry you away to somewhere terrible, like the DMV or something, I don't know, so she would just snatch you up. She'd snatch you up, and you would just be gone, okay? And this, you'd think this is, like, lame enough. Here's the identity. Spoiler. Okay, spoiler. If you were going to watch it, plug your ears. The identity of the secret killer is, I wish I was kidding, the tooth fairy. She's the tooth fairy. If there's kids in here, the tooth fairy's cool. She's not scary. In this movie, she's terrifying, okay? If you turn out your nightlight, the tooth fairy will snatch you up and ruin your life, okay? Now, is ridiculous, is silly, and the only thing more ridiculous is that Brandon and I drove 40 minutes home with the dome light on in the truck <laughs> <laughs> the entire time. Definitely, like, that was so dumb. Yeah, leave it on, though, right? Um, <laughs> and then I saw it on TV years later, right, like a TBS or something, and it's not scary at all. You ever see stuff like that? It's like, why were we scared of that? Um, but the thing is, this morning, the problem with spiritual darkness, listen, many of us have gotten to a place where not, we're not even afraid of darkness. We're not even uncomfortable in sin or in darkness. We're used to it. We're comfortable. We become nocturnal. We, we are creatures of the night. We are happy and content in our darkness. If you're in, uh, if, were you in John already? You're in John. Flip over to John 3. And maybe the most familiar, famous passage in the Bible, um, Jesus has a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, who's one of my favorite characters on The Chosen. If you're not watching The Chosen, download the app, go watch The Chosen. It's awesome. Um, but Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and we, we know John 3.16. This is how God loved the world, or God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Awesome, praise God, love that. But if you keep reading, Jesus brings this light and dark thing back into the conversation. And he says, there's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, basically Jesus says, who believes in me. But anyone who does not believe has already been judged. In other words, that they just stand in a place 
of judgment, a lack of pardon, a lack of forgiveness if they stand in a place where they refuse to believe, right? He says, um, the judgment is based on this fact. Well, they didn't believe in God's one and only son, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. That's not talking about when God said, let there be light, and, and, and the sun appeared, okay? We're talking about Jesus when he came into the world. And it says this, God, God came into the, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who want to do what is right in the sight of the Lord, those who want to be righteous, who want to be forgiven, they come to the light, not just for them and their own pardon, but so that others can see that they're doing what God wants, that they're pleasing God as well. It, it, it's a, it makes an impact on the people around them. Listen, all of us have darkness. What separates us from that darkness? It's one thing. Belief in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Belief in the light, running to the light. Not running from it for fear of, you know, exposing our sin. And I've seen people do this. They come to church, and they think the roof's going to cave in when they walk in, you know, and they think they, think they can't tell anybody anything they've done because everyone's going to judge them. And everybody. I've had people tell me stuff, and they're like, I'm sorry if I said to them. I'm like, no, I want to hear what God's done in your life. It's, it's okay to talk about your darkness. It's better than hiding in it. God is not hoping to condemn the world. Jesus is not hoping to have to hold you accountable for your sin. He held himself accountable for your sin. God doesn't want to punish you for your sin. He punished Christ for your sin. Jesus went to the cross and took the punishment, took the weight of your darkness Every wrong thought, every wrong decision, every sin of action, every sin of inaction, Jesus has already paid for in your place. But you have to receive that. You have to accept that. He's not going to force that on you. And yet, if you will let him, man, you'd be amazed at what even just a little bit of light could do in your darkness. How many know if you go back through your whole life and choose a few moments to just add a little light to the room, you'd have saved yourself a lot of stubbed toes, Right? I mean, so many times you stub your toe and it's like, man, if I could have just seen a little bit what I was doing, I would have remembered that table was there. And, and, and similarly, man, we can avoid so much pain if we would just let the light of Christ into our life. But, but you can't do that if you're loving the dark, if you're comfortable in the dark. Where, let me ask you this, where is your darkness leading you? Where is it leading you? Where is it taking you? Where are you headed? How about your family, your kids? Is your lack of light, is your lack of walk with Jesus going to impact you know, them for generations? Who, who, who are you taking with you wherever you're going? Where is your darkness leading you? Um, when I was a kid, I lived on uh, Old 60 between Elsinore and Van Buren, kind of the suburbs, you know? And... Uh, we, we lived, it's OO now, but we lived right up the road from this little uh, Mount Zion church and cemetery. But more importantly to me anyway, um, right next door to the church was my granny Marge's house. And so, you know, it was probably a few hundred yards to her house, and, uh, but it was down a gravel road and down a very wooded little gravel road. And so I would go hang out with granny Marge, and she wasn't my real grandma, but I didn't really comp. I only had one grandparent, and so I, and I had lots of like grannies and uncles and stuff. So I just thought 
old people that love you or grannies, right? <laughs> so, so I'm like, this is Granny Marge. And she was one of my best friends. Um, even in high school, sometimes, like, I would go after school, after practice, and just hang out with Granny Marge. And that's what you did before a smartphone. You hung out with your grandparents and stuff. So, um, but I would just go hang out with her. And so uh, if you know me at all, you know um, that I'm prone to maybe talk a little too much and stay a little too long, right? And like just maybe overstay my welcome, just talking. And so inevitably at Granny Marge's house, I would stay and talk and she'd be like, it's getting dark. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm talking and talking and and Granny's got, you know, donuts and stuff at her house, and, and, uh, and then it's dark. And here's the thing. I wasn't married to Brooke yet, so I didn't have, like, a list. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a flashlight. Um, you know, I'm eight, nine years old, and so I'm just there on my own just talking, and I was like, it's time to go home, and I got to walk home in the dark. Now, this is not a real picture of it, but this is pretty similar uh, to what it kind of looks like at nighttime on that road. It's just a gravel road and two, you know, parts of forest, in my mind, filled with murderers, right? And so, um, <laughs> you know, or the tooth fairy, whatever. And so I was, you know, terrified to go home from Granny's house, but you got to go home. And so I had this scheme. Um, I did not want my granny to think I was lame and I was a scaredy cat and all that. You know, I wanted to know I was a tough eight-year-old man. And, um, and so I said, Granny, I got an idea. And I did this dozens of times. I said, Granny, I got an idea. Feeling pretty good tonight. Feeling pretty limber. I think I can beat my record time. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sprint home. And I'm going to call you when I get there. And I want you to watch that clock, Granny Marge. And let me know if I beat my time. I don't know if she ever even looked at the clock, but I would run home through the valley of the shadow of death, <laughs> praying my heart out. I, in my mind, like, I was just barely faster than the knives and stuff. Like, I, I just barely made it home every time and would call her and be like, how'd I do? And she'd be like, oh, yeah, you're fast. You know, you're, you're getting faster. And I wasn't very fast, but, um, but I mean, I was so scared, so scared. And I know it's silly, but, like, some of us need to get scared of the dark again. Some of us need to be afraid of putting this off any longer. Some of us need to realize, like, nothing can hurt us if it's out in the light. But if it's in the dark, there's no telling what it's capable of doing to us or our family. And so this morning, um, I, I turn your attention to the people who decided when Christmas would be. Um, you know, like, more than likely, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. I know we celebrate it as his birthday, and, and we'll even, well, you know, we'll, we'll make a thing of that later in the service. But um, there are a handful of other dates that are allegedly Jesus' actual birth. Most of them are in the spring, and people kind of decided, hey, we already have Easter in the spring, and that is based on a historical date. And so, you know, we don't want to celebrate Easter and Christmas in the same season we want to celebrate the birth of Christ a different time of year. One theory is that Jesus' birth was May 20th. I just learned this last week, and it's significant because I was born on May 20th. And so I'm pretty pumped. Me, baby Jesus, Busta Rhymes, all born on the same day. Um, or Cher, if you're a little older than that reference. Um, Cher was born on May 20th. But regardless of when it was, right, they decided, hey, you know what? The winter solstice the darkest time of year, that would be a good time to put Christmas. 
Now, I'm thinking, like, it would be way easier to do all the other stuff, like all the shopping, all, the, all that, if it wasn't cold, if it wasn't dark. Like, we could do this in July, Christmas in July, right? But they said, you know what? People need hope. They need encouragement. They need family. They need light in the darkest time of year. And, you know, that's what we do. We, we put lights on our house and lights on our tree. And um, I think it was Jim Gaffigan said, you know, Christmas decorations look like what your drunk uncle does. He takes all the lights from inside, puts them outside, and takes a tree from outside and puts it in the house, right? But we, we decorate, and it's all about the lights, and, and we decorate the tree, and we put the lights on the tree. And then what do you do when you get all the lights on the tree in your house? You turn off the rest of the lights, right? Because the tree just shines so much more beautifully. Um, the light shines so much more beautifully when it's surrounded by darkness. Listen, I, I think this morning... Not only does God want to shine his light in your life for you and make a difference for you, I think you'd be amazed at the things that would come your way and the relationships that would come your way and the impact you might have because a a life that used to be dark that is now bright and shining is so attractive to a lost and dying and dark world. So this morning, it's not even just about you. Like you coming to Christ could impact other people for generations. And there's going to be people who hate it and don't like the new you, just like when somebody turns the light switch on before you're ready in the morning, it's, it's not fun. But people that have been in the dark long enough that are desperate for light, desperate to see, there's nothing quite like a life that has been set just ablaze by the gospel and the love of Christ that can make a difference. Some of you think you're too far gone. Some of you think you're too deep, you're too far, you're too buried in your sin and your shame, and I just want you to know you're in the perfect position. You're here, (laughs) you're here. God's grace is here for you. I know all of us watch the news and check the weather and we're nervous, and we saw all the terrible devastation caused um, by the tornadoes that just swept through middle America this last week or so, and um, we're gonna give you a chance later on even to, to be a part of some relief effort there but in Mayfield, Kentucky, there was this crazy story that came on the news about this family. Um, the wife was at work, and I think maybe her sister or sister-in-law worked with her there at a candle factory, of all things, here at our candlelight service. But she was at work at the factory, and he was at home with the kids and the grandkids and had the kids in the bathtub, helmets on, everybody's prepared. And the tornadoes come through, and they miss their home. They barely uh, misses their home, and so they're safe. But somehow or another, she's able to get to her phone after the tornado hit the factory. And um, she calls and she says, I think his name is Brian, she says, hey, we were in the bathroom seeking shelter, the walls caved in, the roof caved in, we're trapped, we're smashed, I love you. And hung up, thinking that's probably the last time she'd ever speak to him. And so naturally, like any husband would do, he jumped in the truck, flew over there, and this is actually the factory. This is what he arrived to, except this is the next day in the daylight. He got there, still raining, still storming, pitch black, no electricity. Imagine driving up on that and knowing your wife is somewhere in there. And he said, where, where are the bathrooms? Where are the bathrooms? He said, the bathrooms are in the back of the building. And so he goes to the back of the building, and he's yelling, and he's trying to find them. And he's finding other people. He's pulling other people out, right? You can, it's all on the news. And, um, and finally, it's crazy like several feet from the surface, one of the girls can see just like a small sliver of light and she sees his shoe 
And he had some like crazy colored shoes or whatever, and she recognizes his shoes as him. And so she starts yelling his name, and he hears them and starts pulling what he can pull, and he can't get to them. And so cops come and help, and, and they, they've got sawzalls, and they're cutting stuff and pulling stuff. And somehow or another, they pull them out safe and sound, right? And I know, like, that's one amazing story. There were lots of people that were not nearly as fortunate. Um, and maybe it pales in comparison, but I, I just want you to know this morning that we're not just singing about a baby Jesus born in a manger and talking about that type of Savior. We're talking about a Jesus that left the comforts of heaven to stoop down to his people at their greatest time of need when they were buried beneath their shame and their sin. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. And you see, just like those girls yelled and he heard them and saved them, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's, it's the same type of formula. The only difference is you don't have to yell and, and call so that he can find you or so that he can see you or he can know where you're at. He knows where you're at. He sees you. He knows exactly where you are and what you're going through, but he still says, no, listen, I'm not going to force this rescue here. You, you've got to call on me. You've got to receive what I have for you. He won't force himself into your life. As we wrap up this morning and the band comes, I just want to encourage you to say what God said in Genesis 1. Let there be light. I want you to look at your life, your darkness, and say, God, I want to let your light in. I know you know what the word let means, but one of Webster's definitions is this, to permit to enter, right? You let someone in your house. You let the dogs out, right? Somebody did. Uh, you let people, right? You allow, you allow someone to enter your home. Maybe your house is locked. You unlock the door. You let people in. Look, I want to encourage you this Christmas. There's nothing wrong with the gifts and the awkward Christmas parties and the sweaters and the Christmas movies and the Christmas music and the Christmas snacks and the Christmas drinks and the Christmas lattes. But I just want to invite you to experience Christmas, God with us, the light of the world that came to the darkness that we might not have to stay in the darkness anymore. Emmanuel, God with us. Would you just say, God, let there be light. I let your light into my heart. I let your light into my past. I let your light into my marriage. I let your light into my secrets. You have that opportunity this morning. What a crazy concept that, that God, creator God, would stand and wait for you to let him do something. But he wants to. He wants to. And we're going to see a picture of what that looks like in a second. It's going to get real. I'm going to pray for you. And it's going to get real dark in this room, uncomfortably dark, okay? And then I'm going to light a candle. And then I'm going to ask a few of you from the end of your rows to come down here. And I'm going to light your candle. And you're going to go back to your row and pass it on. And what starts out as a single flame is going to spread across this room the same way that God showing up in your life can make an impact for dozens, hundreds, who knows, generations of people. We're going to see that happen here in a moment. But before that, I want to pray with you. 
So would you just for a moment of privacy, just bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute. If you're here this morning, nobody's looking at you but me. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor TJ, I I came into this service not a Christian. I came into this service not walking in the light of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about people that have wandered a little. I'm talking about people that you walked in here not knowing Jesus. If that's you, maybe you knew about him, but you weren't living for him. If that's you right now, nobody looking at me, I just want you to raise your hand up real high and then put it right back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you, young man. Is there anybody else? You say, I need to know Jesus today, Pastor TJ. I need, to, I need to leave my darkness, come to the light this Christmas. Is there anybody else? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I know God. I, I know Jesus loves me. I believe he's forgiven me of my sin, but I've got darkness in my heart. Maybe it's bitterness, unforgiveness. I've got darkness in my life. Maybe it's a secret sin nobody knows I'm dealing with. And I just feel like I've got to give that to Jesus. I've got to get that exposed to the light. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I want to come to the light this service. I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you, would you just put your hand up nice and high real quick? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Jesus, meet us here. I want you to pray in your heart or even in a whisper. You don't have to pray just like me, but pray something like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived the life I couldn't live. You died the death I deserve. You rose again. You're God. You're the son of God. I believe that, that you're the light of the world. I believe it. I believe that you can show up even in my darkest hour, even in my darkest corners, and you can make a difference. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own and for, for turning to all these other things. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. Be my king. Be my Lord. Lead me through my life. Save me. Forgive me. Renew me. In your name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.